1: you have the chance to win a spring super sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps.
2: From the historic Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles, this is the 21st annual Film Week Academy Awards preview. Welcome, I'm Larry Mantle with our Film Week critics ready to tell us which movies, actors, writers, and directors are most worthy of being honored at this Sunday's Oscars. Our critics are Justin Chang, Tim Cogshell, Andy Klein, Christy Lemire, Lael Lowenstein, Wade Major, Amy Nicholson, Claudia Puig, Peter Rayner, and Charles Solomon. Let's move right into Best Animated Feature. The five nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Charles, let's start with you as our animation authority. What do you think of the field generally? Uh, This was the year of the big-name flop in
3: animation. We had Lightyear, Luck, and Strange World, so we've got these five. Puss in Boots is okay, it's not DreamWorks best. Has anyone really missed being in the Shrekkerverse for 11 years? Sea Beast has some great animation, some interesting cinematography, but it keeps setting up premises and then not paying them off. For some reason, the members of the Academy ignored Inuo and Le Petit Nicolas in favor of Marcel the Shell, but if you are the parent of a twee seven-year-old, this is the movie you may have been waiting for. Uh, A lot of people like Turning Red. It's not a bad film, but I think it kind of falls apart towards the end when they do the Lego movie bit of throwing everything they can think of at the screen. And again, not in the same league as Coco or Up or Soul or Ratatouille from, from Pixar. And then Pinocchio, which is marked by extraordinary animation by some really stunning designs you may not agree with everything del toro does in it but you cannot deny that this film has an artistic integrity to it and a single vision that gives it a power i don't think the other uh, nominees have
2: uh, claudia you look at this field what do you think
4: I'm uh, on the turning, I know Pinocchio is going to win, there's no question. Um, <laughs> you say
2: that because it won the Anna, Annie Awards. Yes, and yeah. it just,
4: I mean, there's so much love In for Guillermo del Toro, yeah. which there should be, and I love him too, and I did enjoy Pinocchio. My personal preference is for turning red. I just feel like, and maybe it spoke to me particularly as the mother of daughters, um, the idea of sort of the, you know, it, it feels like a fires on all cylinders idea of of you know, the trials and tribulations of puberty and how it, it sort of uh, encompassed that. I love the cultural aspects of it. I think Domi she is a really talented director. She's the first lone woman director at Pixar, which is worth, you know, something. Um, and, and, yeah. well, an, and, and she was an Osc- mentored by Pete Docter. Yeah. So I personally love that film, but I would be okay with Pinocchio winning, of course. Oh,
3: and uh, Domi she won an Oscar for her short Bow, Yes, which, yeah, was, which, so which was terrific. Which was
5: yeah. wonderful.
4: Uh, Wade.
5: Yeah, I don't really like anything here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I
2: don't. I don't. Wait a no. minute. Your role has never been as the curmudgeon. yeah. I know. That's, I know. Stop I, stepping on I, my line.
5: Charles, That's Charles', just Charles job. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't hate anything here. I just there. You know, nothing that sort of keeps me awake or makes me want to see it a second time. I admire Pinocchio. I admire the craft enormously. I think it's incredibly well made, but it's Pinocchio. You know, so, I mean, it's not like you don't know the story. Um, you know, everything else is just kind of, it feels like COVID era second tier stuff. And Pinocchio is going to win. Uh, I think Puss in Boots is fun. But, you know, like Charles said, do we really want to go back to the verse?
2: That's, that's a new quotable disc. Yeah, it is. COVID era second tier stuff. That's probably usable <laughs> for other things as well. Uh, Tim,
6: well okay look guillermo del Toro's pinocchio is exactly that it's very much his pinocchio doesn't have anything to do with walter and disney or any of that i gotta tell you i've taken three children nine twelve or so to see that movie it scared the crap out of all of them <laughs> <laughs> So I understand that these things are not necessarily directed at children, but (laughs) these movies are scaring the kids, man. Uh, CB scared the kids. Uh, Puss in Boots scared the kids. They didn't know what the heck was happening with that shell, Uh, walking around talking. And you know, I had to explain all this to their mothers, my, it was a mess. Turning Red did not scare the children. (laughs) So I'm gonna recommend Turning Red.
7: So I I agree with Claudia, turning red was excellent, one of my favorites. I also was kind of particularly partial to Sea Beast, which I thought was a really fun kind of ocean marauding adventure, sort of in the pirate genre with lots of great action-adventure scenes with a very feisty young girl, sea shanties, and, and great action, really liked it. But also Marcel the Shell. I knew that Charles was going to poo-poo it coming here. I didn't. I wasn't expecting Wade to be part of the ambush. But I, I thought, you know, Marcel. It's so. It's just so darn cute, and it's funny, and it's weird, and it's this little shell that just like moves around and talks and makes you laugh. And it's also very poignant to anyone well, who hasn't seen I'm, it. You must see it. It's very poignant.
3: I'm kind of old-fashioned. I think an animated an animated feature should have animation at a better level than a poor student film, and the cutesiness is what just repels me.
7: Yeah, but, but but to push a genre beyond its boundaries is in itself worthy of, if not awarding, at least some sort of recognition, right? Not yeah, the of the last we we <laughs> have
2: to move to the next category. First of all, let's take a vote by applause. Your favorite in the animated category, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Applause. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The Sea Beast. Turning Red. I think we got it like a three-way tie there. Turning Red. Marcel the Shell. Pinocchio. I think Turning Red's the winner there as I hear it, all right. Let's move to the next category, Best Documentary Feature, and the nominees here are All That Breathes, All the Beauty, and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny, which was recently reviewed by our critics and raved about by our critics on on Film Week. Peter, let me start with this. What's your pick out of the five for documentary?
8: Um, the one I liked the best, and I liked uh, all of them in varying degrees, was uh, All the Beauty and Bloodshed. I, I think it's, it's, an, it's a strange movie because I think it started out uh, as a, um, an analysis of, of this woman you know, uh, who's trying to, you know, her, her amazing life, but, but it's also an indictment of the Sackler family and opioids, and so... The movie is a little bit of a, of a hybrid, I think, and to some extent, it's unwieldy because of that. Uh, but I think that, that the, the, the Sackler stuff especially is, is really so powerful. There's a moment at the end where uh, uh, there's a Zoom call with the Sackler family after they've been all but indicted, and uh, it's really harrowing, and, and you know, it just shows the vileness of this uh of this family and this enterprise and so i think it's an important film all of the movies in this category are to, to some extent or other socially conscious um and i my only regret is that there weren't films like the leonard cohen hallelujah documentary uh or or three minutes a lengthening uh which i thought was really quite extraordinary on every level um but that might have been included as well
2: yeah uh amy your pick in this category
9: I mean, I really admire All the Beauty and the Bloodshed as a work of activism for going against the Sacklers, for tearing that family down, which needs to happen. But if there is a scene this year that is up there with any scene in any movie, fiction and nonfiction, to me, it's in Navalny where Navalny, Alexei Navalny, starts prank calling the men who tried to kill him. And you're just watching him make these calls. And this man who I find to be like, aggravating, charismatic, a little frightening, intimidating even in the way that he talks to the director. That, as a human being, as a character that a film is focused on, outstanding. And you'd never
2: believe that in a narrative film, right? Never, that. That scene, calling no him. one would dare write that,
9: it'd be absurd. They would, and you're just watching it play out in real time. You're watching him get better at prank calling him as the scene goes on. <laughs> it's
2: incredible. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. Uh,
1: Christy, your pick. So I love Fire of Love. It is beautiful and strange, and it plays with the form so well. It's on Disney Plus and Hulu, so go check it out if you've not seen it already. And I love the contrast between Miranda July's narration, which is so understated. And then wildly volatile imagery of volcanoes erupting in slow motion and like rivers of lava. And it's so romantic and it's so tragic because you know from the very beginning what's going to happen to these people, and yet you are just so drawn in from the very beginning. I love Fire of Love, it's not gonna win. Um, all the Beauty of the Bloodshed is probably going to win because as you guys articulated, it matters. It gets its arms around a lot in a very complicated way. It's a powerful piece of activism, journalism. All that breathes, you guys, is exquisitely beautiful. Have you seen that? It's so gorgeous, like, just the use of rack focus. Like, this is a patient filmmaker. It's a gorgeous film. And then, of course, Navalny matters greatly and is, unfortunately, all too relevant still. Andy. Uh,
10: Pete sort of stole my thunder on it. For me, the best film, best documentary of the year was Three Minutes of Lengthening, which is an amazing, technically amazing incredibly moving film where basically three minutes of tourist footage of a small jewish ghetto in poland i think uh and the whole film is that three minutes and panning around and detective work trying to find out about these people all of whom presumably have died you know a year after the film was shot uh of the things that were nominated uh, pete while coming out for all the beauty and bloodshed, uh, essentially said what I thought were the problems with the film. It is unwieldy and it doesn't know whether it's a film about Nan Golden or a film about her, uh, her crusade against the Sackler family. By far, my favorite was Navalny. It has two unbelievably great scenes. Navalny is also very charismatic, but one was the prank call scene that has already been mentioned. And the other is where we see the nerdy cyber geek explaining how he tracked things down, and it's the kind of stuff we see in fictional films all the time now, but this was much more interesting because it really explained how you do it. Justin?
11: I'm with Peter in finding this a very impressive field and also thinking that All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is just the strongest film. I think the weave of the art and the activism and everything is really, really compelling. Fire of Love, I can't resist a volcano documentary, and I don't think the Academy can either if they're in a magnanimous mood. Um, You're proud of that. He can help himself. I think Navalny's going to win. It won the PGA and the BAFTA for best documentary, which is a pretty good sign that it has a lot of support its topicality as well. I want to speak up for a movie I don't think we've talked about yet, here, uh, A House Made of Splinters, which is probably the least seen of these five docks. And it uh, was a bit of a surprise when it got nominated. It really deserves that slot. Um, it is a look at what is going on in Ukraine that is only tangentially about the war. And it is set in a children's sh- shelter in Eastern Ukraine. And it is, uh, it's beautifully observed, heartbreaking. Um, very glad to see it nominated.
2: All right, very good. So a chance uh, for you to vote on the documentaries. All That Breathes. All The Beauty and the Bloodshed. Fire of Love. A House Made of Splinters. Navalny. All right, run off. Navalny. Fire of Love. Fire of Love takes it, all right. Uh, We are coming your way from the historic Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. It's the 21st annual Film Week Academy Awards preview. And when we come back, we'll hear the categories Best Supporting Actress, uh, for which the nominees are Angela Bassett, Hong Chow, Carrie Condon, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Stephanie Hsu. And we'll hear the uh, adapted and original screenplay categories other acting categories, and at the close of our hour on Film Week today, we'll also have our critics weigh in on the Best Picture and Best Directing nominees. So we'll be back in just one minute as we come your way from the historic Orpheum Theater. It's the 21st annual Film Week Academy Awards preview. We'll be back.
12: Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org.
2: Welcome back to the Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles for the 21st annual Film Academy Awards preview. I'm Larry Vagel, joined by critics Charles Solomon, Peter Rayner, Claudia Puig, Amy Nicholson, Wade Major, Leo Lowenstein, Christy Lemire, Andy Klein, Tim Coxhell, and Justin Chang. All right, let's uh, go to our next category, Best Supporting Actress. And the nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisharan; Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and her castmate from Everything Everywhere, Stephanie Hsu. Tim. Quickly, which one
6: here? Uh, for me, it's going to be Jamie Lee Curtis. Miss Curtis is just doing a wonderful thing, and everything, everywhere, all at once. She just, she just hangs all out there. She doesn't care what she looks like. She doesn't care. She puts on that wire and she bounces around, and she's just absolutely extraordinary. I love Miss Bassett uh, in Black Panther. Wakanda forever. It's a very powerful and moving performance that you know it harkens to a many, many things there. But now, Jamie Lee, go, Jamie Jo. All right, Wade.
5: <laughs> yeah, I don't really like any of these movies. <laughs> uh, I mean, you
1: are
8: the
5: curmudgeon uh, this year who, who took our
4: the, weight away The, the, the,
5: the, quest, the question is are you, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution Like are you part of what's annoying me Or are you rescuing me from what's annoying me So it, there, Angela Bassett Rescues me in that movie I think she's probably going to win um, That's more a career award But for me personally Carrie Condon Every time she showed up I, I just wanted the movie to stop and just focus on her
4: Yeah, she's So great. I would
5: pick Carrie Condon
4: all right. Uh, Claudia. For me, it's between Carrie Condon and Hong Chow. Um I feel like Hong Chao had a really hard role because she has to be opposite this amazing performance, this huge performance um, by Brendan Fraser. So I, I really sort of appreciated what she was able to do in a very tamped-down kind of role. But I also think Carrie Condon had so much subtlety and nuance. So. Um, and this is the most culturally diverse category of all of them, which I, I love. That is, It hasn't been a very diverse year in terms of the Oscars, but this is a, a great one. I'd kind of be happy to see anybody in this category win. Charles. Uh, but I like Hong
3: Chao. She actually rose above the still a play speechifying uh, that everyone else is doing in that movie and was a believable character. All
2: right, and
7: Lale. Well, if you saw it, I don't think there's a more memorable supporting actress performance than that of Dolly de Leon in Triangle of Sadness. I really wish that she was nominated. It's, I think it's just a tremendous, tremendous performance of those nominated. However, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is going to get it because Hollywood loves a, a uh, legacy, and she certainly is that, and it's a great performance, and she's done a career of great work. Also Angela Bassett, uh, but I think it's gonna break for Jamie Lee Curtis. All right.
2: Let's take a vote uh, of our attendees at the Orpheum, Angela Bassett. Hong Chow in the Whale. Carrie Condon. Jamie Lee Curtis. Stephanie Shu. That's a three-way tie. I wish I had time to break it, but all right. Great performances in, in that category. Um, we move to Best Adapted Screenplay, where the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, written by Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stokel; Glass Onion Knives Out Mystery from Ryan Johnson. Living Kazuo Ishigura. Uh, Top Gun Maverick Aaron Kruger and Eric Warren Singer and Christopher McQuarrie story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks women talking Sarah Polly. Andy your pick in this category
3: uh,
10: frankly uh, my favorite adaptation was a film called After Yang that nobody saw and I really wish that it got nominated of what we have here I think it's a really weak field uh, living is not as good as make the course. make your Kurosawa. pick Andy. sorry okay okay sorry uh, i'll be seconds. transgressive and say top gun maverick
2: oh okay top gun maverick for best adapted uh, amy
9: i want this to go to women talking and i think it will but i do want to talk about top gun maverick because i just think it's so i do think it's interesting how this movie wrestles with nostalgia in a way by saying maverick was never a great dude all of top gun was saying that maverick should shouldn't be trusted to lead this squadron. And here, this movie tries to make sure you make that point. But it also imagines that 30 years later, young pilots are still sitting around in a bar playing great balls of fire (laughs) mournfully. I don't know what that was about. All right. Christy.
1: Women talking should win. I think it will win. Uh, Sarah Polly takes an intimate, small story and makes it feel big and emotions and makes it feel cinematic, and everyone gets a great moment in it. The way she plays with time is interesting. Um, That's going to win.
11: All right. And uh, Justin. I think women talking should win as well. I think this movie—you know—you describe this movie. It's it's them talking. How do you make that compelling? And it's an interesting exercise in that. This is the one. This is the shortest of the best picture nominees, and it's the only one that I actually wish were longer because it's such a disciplined, rigorous adaptation of Miriam Tave's novel, um, which is very well worth reading. I actually think All Quiet on the Western Front is going to win this um, because it has a lot of momentum for international feature, but in other categories as well, uh, despite being I think the script is one of the weaker things about the movie. The things that were added to it were not uh, essential.
2: All right. Peter.
11: Justin, you didn't think that All
8: Quiet on the Western Front should be longer? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say uh, the aptly named women talking. uh, I think it's, it's an example of how dialogue can itself be action, if you know what I mean, that, that there's a kind of muscularity and, and, and power to the, 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 the back and forth and the, the arguments and the speech, and the speechifying that I think is, is very powerful and, and cinematic.
2: All right, uh, for the audience, your pick, Best Adapted Screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Front. Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery. Living. Woo! Top Gun Maverick. Woo! Women Talking. Women Talking it is. All right. Uh, let's see. Our next category, Best Original Screenplay. And here the nominees are The Banshees of Inna Sharon from Martin McDonough, who also directed Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Again, is the two directors, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. The Fableman, screenplay by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Tar, the director again, Todd Field. And the same with Triangle of Sadness, the director is the writer, Ruben Estland.
7: Best original screenplay, Lale. Oh boy, this is a tough, tough, tough category to call. I think it could possibly go to banshees of In because that's an incredibly um, deep, sort of deceptively shallow. It seems to be it seems to be about nothing, but it's about everything. Um and there's there's so much emotion that's conveyed both in the in the words and the spaces between the words that I thought it was very Is it powerful.. Your pick? Yeah, I think I think that or Triangle of Sadness would really be mine because I love that movie. <laughs> <Darn>.
4: <laughs> a very polarizing film. Claudia, your pick? Banshees of in hands down. I think um, it has the best-written screenplay. The comic dialogue is brilliant. Couldn't have been delivered better than by Colin Farrell and Brenda Gleeson. So Gleason. surprisingly
2: funny that film. Yeah. There's so much humor. What could be a totally bleak
4: film, but very yes, funny. absolutely. It's got to win.
2: Yeah, Charles. I can see The
3: Devil's Conduct's Prada being nominated for most screenplay, but not best, because for a film that spends so much time telling us how smart it is, it's full of mistakes. Like Leonard Bernstein died in 1990, so Blanchett's character is either 20 years older than they play her, or if this is a period piece set in 2000 and nobody
2: notices. Or she's telling a story which isn't true to advance yes, her reputation, my, p-
3: my picture, My pick would be Banshees, which I thought was... I didn't expect to like and loved.
6: Tim. Well, all of these, all of these screenplays uh, have a problem. None of them stick the landing, per se. Um, um, but the one that I, that I think spoke to me the most was talking about a thing that I cared about the most is Everything Everywhere All At Once. Uh, that's, that's the one that gets me almost all the way there. All of the other ones have moments where I say, no, no, I don't believe that at all.
5: <laughs> all right, Wade. <wait. laughs> I, I liked one of these. Yay! Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, it has problems. It doesn't stick the landing, but I, TAR takes so many risks um, and it pulls most of them off. So, as imperfect as Not it is, I have to go with TAR. Music. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it worked for me, and, and, and I have to pick one of them, Charles. Uh, Triangle of Sadness is just this overlong, unfunny episode of The Love Boat that turns into an even longer, less funny episode of Gilligan's Island. I, I don't even know that it was written. It's like they just went to went out to sea into an island and, right, and they right. winged it.
2: Best <laughs> original screenplay, Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Fablemans. Tar, Triangle of Sadness. I think just by a nose, everything, everywhere, all at once. But that was close with with Banshees. We move to Best Supporting Actor. And the nominees here, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees, Brian Tyree Henry of Causeway, Judd Hirsch in Fablemans, Barry Keoghan of Banshees, and Ki Hui Kwan of Everything Everywhere. Justin, please start us.
11: Well, there is room for surprise in every acting category, I would say, except for this one, because Kiwi Kwan is going to win it, as he has (laughs) been dominating the entire circuit. Um, And I like the performance very much, um, but this is an unpopular opinion, I think he's a co-lead. I also think Brendan Gleeson is a co-lead in The Banshees of Inishare, and I think there's a lot of category fraud going on. The best performance in this category for me, hands down, was Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. (laughs) opposite Jennifer Lawrence he just gives this beautiful I mean I don't know Brian Tyree Henry kind of comes on screen and I just like I just want to watch Brian Tyree Henry in every movie and this one was no exception All He's right. so moving
1: Christy this is definitely the easiest category of the day because Huy Kwan is going to win as Justin said he's won every single thing including our LA Film Critics Award for supporting actor um, but Brian Tyree Henry is heartbreaking and lovely and warm and uh, I like Barry Keegan also because he's just stealthily hilarious
8: Peter uh, I like Brendan Gleeson until about the halfway point in this movie when he literally gives the movie the finger.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs>
8: at which point uh, it sort of turned into the Yakuza. Uh, in the, uh, uh, and uh, Judd Hirsch, I, I like Judd Hirsch, but, I, you know, it's one thing to chew the scenery, but he's sort of strip-minded. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I think, is far and away for me the best of these five. Uh, he's an absolutely extraordinary actor, maybe the best actor around. Uh, I, I just everything that he does is totally in character and has five levels going on. Uh, you know, it, it, if Beale Street could talk, I remember when I saw him in that, I said, "This is the performance of the year." He's one of the great actors. So Causeway, a
2: film it.
9: that hasn't been much seen,
8: yeah. recommend people I see hope it for it will. his performance.
2: Yeah. All right, Amy.
9: I mean, I'd say if people watch Causeway, they should only watch his performance. Just fast forward everything else, because the movie's pretty unbearable. I hope for him he will be nominated many times in the future for better movies. He's incredible. But yes, we keep saying Ki Hoi Kwan is going to win. I think he will win. But I want to say why he should win. It is a performance that is not just astoundingly physical. It's so emotional. I've seen this movie three times. Every time he gets that line about how in another life he wants to do taxes and laundry, I burst into tears. It's a performance with such range, I'm really excited for him that he's getting this year that he deserves.
2: Andy? Uh,
10: I think uh, uh, Kei Hui uh, Kei- Kei- Kwan is going to win. Uh, he is not my my pick. I would say Brendan Gleason was my favorite, but that is really not a supporting role. So uh, that brings us to Brian Tyree-Henry.
2: All right, let's uh, poll our members of the audience here at the Orpheum. Brendan Gleason, Banshees of Inishow. Brian Tyree Henry Cosway. Judge Hirsch Fablemans. Barry Keogan, Banshees of Ki Hui Kwan of everything everywhere. He wins it with our audience as as well. Let's at least start on Best Actress. We may need to carry it over a bit. The nominees are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Ana de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere, All at Once. Justin.
11: Like a lot of voters, I think, I am completely torn between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh on this one. And they've been, I mean, I think there, there were so many wonderful performances by female actors this year, it should be said. This was an an exceptionally great year for them, but even then it comes down to those two. And I think it's fascinating because you have Blanchett, who is just a living legend at the peak of her powers. She's won two Oscars. She could win a third. And you have Michelle Yeoh, who is also a living legend at the peak of her powers, but whose career is just... Never gotten the recognition it deserves. She should have been nominated for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She could have should have been nominated for many things, and for a movie that I have very mixed feelings about, which is Everything Everywhere All at Once. She is. I mean, she. I love her performance, and she is the movie in large part. So, I don't know. My head says Blanchett. My heart is rooting very much for Michelle Yeoh. I. I almost. I don't like ties, but if there were ever an occasion for a tie, I'd say this would be a great one.
10: Andy. I am boringly just with Justin on this uh, almost entirely. I adore Michelle Yeoh. I think I did one of the first interviews she did in this country. Uh, she's wonderful. She's been wonderful in a million films. I don't think this was her best performance. Kate Blanchett is terrific. I wish I liked Tar more, but I think that she's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of
2: those two. All right. Christy.
1: Kate Blanchett, in a tremendous career, gives a performance of her lifetime in Tar. And up until like the last couple of weeks, I would have said, oh, for sure, she's going to win. But now I think momentum goes with Michelle Yeoh, and deservedly so. She gets to show so much range. She is captivating in every single second of a really challenging role. So I say Michelle Yeoh wins. And Michelle Williams is a supporting role, not a lead role, by the way. Amy.
9: I'm absolutely going for Yeoh. But I do want to say, Ana de Armas in Blonde, that movie teeters on trash, but her performance is amazing. And she has to not just act, but get herself into position of famous photographs that you will dimly recognize in the back of your head. She deserves that nomination, even though that movie is so demeaning to Marilyn. And uh, Andrea Riseborough. I know there's been a lot of buzz and static around that nomination. That's also a bad movie, but every single year, Andrea Riseborough does something worth a nomination, and I am glad that she is at least now in the conversation.
2: That's a great band name, Teeters on Trash. <laughs> that's,
9: that's great. Larry, let's form it. Do you play guitar? <laughs> uh, and uh, Peter?
8: Well, I'm going to stand up for Andrea Riseborough. Uh I thought, um, I thought she and, and Kate Blanchett would be my top two choices. Uh, I thought Michelle Yeoh, you know, I love her, but, but I, I just thought that that movie was so frenetic that it sort of undercut the performance in many ways. Uh, and Kate Blanchett, I didn't like Tar. I thought that the movie was repellent, and I thought that she played a repellent character, but she played it really well. Um, sort of a woman self-immolating in her own sovereignty. Uh, But Andrea Risborough, it's it's too bad that that became such a controversial issue of her being nominated at all. It became racialized. You know, she she was very good. It's the kind of performance, you know, it's very rare that a movie that hardly anybody saw gets put into that category as one of the five. I think that should be celebrated. Um, And she plays a character that's sort of Oscar bait, you know, an alky on the skids, et cetera. But, But she does it, I think, without a false note.
2: All right, Best Actress. Your pick here at the Orpheum: Kate Blanchett, Ana de Armas, Andrea Riseborough, Michelle Williams, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeo takes it. All right, we're gonna come back to the Orpheum Theater, downtown Los Angeles. It's the 21st annual Film Week Academy Awards preview with all of our critics. We'll be back with one more segment right after this. Welcome back to our 21st Annual Film Week Academy Awards preview from the historic Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. I'm Larry Mantle with critics Amy Nicholson, Wade Major, Leah Lowenstein, Peter Rayner, Andy Klein, Claudia Puig, Christy Lemire, Justin Chang, Charles Solomon, and Tim Cogshell. The Best Actor category features Austin Butler from Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inisherin*, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Meskel in *After Sun*, and Bill Nye in Living. Tim, please start us on Best Actor. Absolutely. Austin
6: Butler, young man, played all those. Elvis is so fat, skinny, old, young. He knocked them all out real good. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. He's, a young, he's a young guy. He'll win an Oscar sometime in the future. He'll be okay this year. Colin is wonderful in that movie, but you know he was even better as the Penguin in The Batman. Uh, he, he disappeared into that character. Today, I'm hoping that Mr. Bill Nye, we haven't talked much about that movie, Living, and him and his performance in that beautiful, beautiful movie. He was extraordinary in that film. Quiet and simple. And I hope he wins. He definitely won't.
7: Lale. <laughs> um, gosh, I too would love for Bill Nye to win. I love that performance. It was tender. It was aching. It was funny. It was so restrained. It was, it was perfect. But you're right. He won't win. Um, I I think Colin Farrell had a tremendous year, not just great in Banshees, but also in After Yang and 13 Lives. What what an actor. I mean, he really showed his range this year. This, by the way, is is a year where not one of these nominees has been nominated before, so it'll be a, a fresh Oscar for one of them. And uh, I think it's gonna go to Brendan Fraser, who gave a great performance in a movie that I couldn't stand. Um, I didn't care for The Whale at all. I thought it was very theatrical and stiff and it just wasn't opened up at all to be a a cinematic work. Um, But I thought he was great and I think we'll remember it as capping off a strong career with, uh, you know, an Oscar that he deserves.
4: Claudia. Um, I just want to say, when you're talking about teetering on trash, that's where Elvis is for me. Um, (laughs) Sorry. So Austin Butler, yes, nothing against his acting. I'm sure he's going to have a nice long career, but this is not going to be his year. Um, I think you're right about it being, going to Brendan Fraser, I would love to see it go to Colin Farrell for the bulk of his work. I think he's amazing and he's kind of been undervalued. I think it was a great, I mean, going back to Bruges, he was amazing. Um, And I love Bill Nye too, I just didn't love the movie. I also love Paul Muscal. I think he's great and I love that movie. But again, also young guy, gonna have a long career, he'll have another chance. So I'd love to see it go to Colin Farrell. Wait.
5: Bill Nye is a, he gives a clinic in acting. Everything that is great about that performance happens when he's not saying a word. It just lives in his eyes, in his faces, and in his, his body language. It's it's a miracle of a performance, and he's not going to win. Uh, <laughs> Colin Farrell has been one of our best, most un, unappreciated actors for so long. I think, you know, even though I don't like the film particularly, he's amazing in it. And I wouldn't be sad to see him win. However, I think Austin Butler, our our colleague Ray Green always says, it's not the best acting that wins; it's the most acting. That that movie is the most directing. It is the most acting. It is the most cinematography about the most singer of all time. It is just. It is so most. It just Brendan your brain Frazier pops. Brendan
4: Fraser is much more most. Oh I think. well,
5: in size, but but I mean, <laughs> in you know, size and uh, acting. Austin Austin just he 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 measures up to just this enormous movie and I think he's gonna win. All right, best actor,
2: we'll ask our audience here at the Orpheum. Austin Butler, Elvis. Colin Farrell, Banshees of Innesharin. Brendan Fraser, The Whale. Paul Mesko, Aftersun. And Bill Nye, Living. Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Innesharin, all right. Best Directing, and all of our critics here will weigh in briefly on these. Uh, the five nominees are Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inisherin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablements, uh, Todd Field, the writer-director, and Ruben Estland for Triangle of Sadness. Let's just go down the line. Let's start with you, Charles, real quickly, your pick here. Uh, Banshees
3: of Inner which again I didn't expect to like and was mesmerized by. Peter.
8: Believe it or not, Triangle of Sadness, Ruben Osler. Claudia. I I just throw that out there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) My favorite isn't on here. I would have gone with Sarah Polly. But it's going to be the Daniels otherwise. All right, Amy.
9: Yeah, I'm also going everything, everywhere, all at once. I just don't even know where you began putting that movie together and to pull it off with the skill they did.
2: Wade.
5: Uh I gotta go with Tar. Really some unbelievable single take scenes. It's a it's a devil of a, a thing to put together.
7: All right, Leo. Uh, I would love to see it go to Martin McDonough for banshees. I thought he did a terrific job. Just tremendous navigating that difficult tone. I think Spielberg actually has a chance of pulling it out because he has so much weight still in this industry. So we'll see. Christy? The Daniels are on
1: such a roll, they will not be denied. They have won like everything you can possibly win everywhere, all at once. So uh, (laughs) they're the ones to beat. What's your pick? Your pick, though? Oh, they're going to win. I I love Banshees. I love Banshees, Banshees, but the Daniels are going to win. But but you you would pick Banshees. I would indeed. Andy, which Uh, one would
2: you choose?
10: I would be happy with either Banshees or Fablements.
6: All right. Uh, Tim, uh, everything everywhere, technically cheating because there are two of them. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, just put that, um, Although this this town this town loves them some
11: Steven Spielberg, don't count them out. <laughs> <laughs> Justin. I'd vote for Spielberg. I know, it seems a little perverse because he's the only one who's won two and they haven't won any. The others have not won, but um, I may be one of the few on this. Maybe me and Andy who love The Fablemans, but I'd vote for Spielberg. Um, I thought the best directed movie of the year was Decision to Leave by Park Chan-wook, who absolutely should have been nominated. He won Best Director at Cannes and he would have been great in this category.
2: Let's move on to the best picture category here. We can take a bit more time with your choice and why. This is your personal pick out of the ten, or if you have an alternate you think is the best film of the year, we want to hear from that. Why don't we start in the middle? Wade, let's start with you.
5: Uh, yeah, I uh, you know I don't love any of these, but Tar comes the closest. That would be my choice. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, also flawed, but also very, very impressive. Uh, Triangle of Gilligan's Love Boat, no. Um, You know, I think The Fablements has a very good chance to win because the preferential ballot favors films that are least hated. Explain
2: just briefly how that works. Well, it, it's, it,
5: you, you rank your films, right? You rank it from one to ten. You don't go, I pick this one the way that it was during the era of five nominees. You rank them, and then there's a little math that kind of reallocates those votes. And if you get a lot of twos and threes, you're going to win. You're going to be the, the, it's the Green Book phenomenon, right? And I think, I think The Fablemans has that slot this year. I think it's the film with the fewest negatives. Um, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. I can't stand that movie, and I love Michelle Yeoh. Um, a lot of people love it, and a lot of people hate it. It's the same thing with, uh, with Banshees. A lot of people love it, a lot of people hate it, and I think that weighs against it numerically. All right, uh, Amy.
9: Well, I feel like you know, we've been doing this live show for many years, and every time we do the show, I feel like I always wind up at the end saying, there's this innovative, ambitious, creative film that's really pushing the medium forward, and it didn't get nominated, or maybe it just got nominated for original screenplay. And this year, it's the front runner, and it's everything, everywhere, all at once. And I find that to be so exciting for cinema. I think this is gonna be one of those landmark movies that changes the landscape, that inspires another generation of what is possible to make with the movies. And I think it's gonna wind up being so important. I think when we award it this year, we're gonna be making the right call. And I do have to say just one little dig at the Fablemans. It is so funny to me that Steven Spielberg made a movie all about his own childhood, gave a lot of press about like he recreated his own homes individually, everything is factually exactly as it was, and they wholly invented that he had a girlfriend in high school. And all of his <laughs> high school friends are like, no, he didn't, and that's just hysterical. <laughs>
4: Do we need to say more?
2: Uh, Claudia.
9: I thought
4: you were going to say that it was interesting that he recreated his childhood and all that stuff because that was exactly what was done in Roma, and he was against it, and he was pushing for for a Green Book. and it, So it would be interesting if he won this year because he is, to my mind, this is the Green Book. It's not as bad as Green Book, but um, it's not as offensive as Green Book, but it's, it does, is not a best picture. Some of these shouldn't even be on here, Avatar. Um. <laughs> you
2: saw that little whale. How
4: could you? <laughs> My pick was it was never going to win. It's Women Talking. I feel like that movie has not been given the respect it deserves. It is such a quiet, wonderful film with you know perfect acting across the board. So well written. I'm perfectly happy to see Everything Everywhere All At Once win because for all the reasons that you cited, it's so innovative. I and I enjoy it a lot. But it makes me sad that Women Talking hasn't gotten quite the love that it should.
8: Peter. Uh, yeah, I wasn't nuts about any of these. um, I guess by the process of elimination, uh, Triangle of Sadness, I did like women talking. Uh, I think Fableman's, you know, it it seemed that it was, everyone's going on about how how personal this movie is, but in some ways I feel like E.T. and his early pictures were more personal than this film. That some ways, if you approach a subject tangentially, it it, it feels more personal than when you do it head on, which is what I think happened here. And uh, Tar, I, I... you know, I just think it's, what is that movie about? Uh, is it about, you know, some, some sexually uh, uh, predatory uh, exactly. artistic genius? I mean, they, they make, she's an EGOT, for, for, for crying out loud, and it's so punitive. They just, they drag her down so far, you know, that after a while, it sort of turns into a gothic horror film. Uh, just real
2: briefly about tar. It's not clear to me when what we're seeing is what's in her head
8: well that's in her
2: disturbance and what's real is there any consensus over when field in in the film switches to go inside her brain
8: no so many, no i so mean and, and the more right the more you read interviews with todd field over time the more you know metaphysical it gets and it's like you know it's whatever you want it to mean you know, I don't like these is-it-real-or-is-it-memorex movies. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather that it just focus... On, and, and also, I have to say, not to be the, the killjoy over here, but the, everything, uh, et cetera, uh, you know, a lot Quick, of it quickly, is... quickly, yeah. A lot of it is fun, uh, but it, it's a, such a... It, I felt like I was in a, in a cinematic spin cycle uh, okay. that didn't end. Charles. And,
3: um, well, I feel like I'm looking at the marquee outside the Purgatory Cineplex, And that if I sit through all of these, I will atone for something terrible I did earlier in my life. I wish I could remember what. Uh, I missed the party where they passed out the Kool-Aid for everything, everywhere. Because there are several anime, notably The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya and Steins Gate, that deals with the multiverse much more effectively and much less frenetically. What's your pick of of these <laughs> purgatorial uh, titles? Banshees, which is the only one I can imagine wanting okay. to see a second time.
7: Lael. The ones I liked the most were Banshees of Inesherin and Triangle of Sadness in terms of, I know it's very polarizing, but I, I, I really enjoyed both of those films. I think, um, however, the film that I had the most fun at was Top Gun Maverick. It just, it, 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 I don't think it'll win and I don't think yeah. it should, but it was, it was, it was, it was that a joy yeah. of going back to the cinema again and I hadn't felt that in a long time.
1: Christy. I love Banshees. It's just gorgeous. The performances, the mixture of tones, like Carrie Condon's coat tells an entire story in and of itself. Um, it's not going to win. Uh, everything Everywhere will win. Not my favorite, but it's exciting that it exists and it is such a weird movie to be our front runner. You'd pick Banshees, though, personally? I would,
2: indeed. Okay.
1: All right, Andy. Uh,
10: well, I would. Banshees is a film I admire more than I enjoy. Uh, I would be perfectly happy to see it win, which it won't, because everything will win. Uh, Fablemans, I thought, was much better than people gave it credit for. Tar, I think, is pretentious, and, and it's not even the best predatory lesbian movie that Kate Blanchett <laughs> has been in. Notes on the What leads What leads the category? <laughs> Notes on a scandal was a much, much better. Film well, with was the already, subject she was where she's the sweet yeah. young thing. Yeah, okay. and,
1: mm. and Carol, she's also a predatory lesbian Carol. Oh, yeah.
6: I forgot about that. <laughs> Tim. yeah. yeah. Uh, look, of, these, of, of the films here, Top Gun, Maverick, and Women Talking. Uh, Top Gun, Maverick, because it's that entertaining and that many people have seen it and just love it. Women talking, it's that hitty, that much gravitas. I happen to have gone to the NAACP Awards a couple of weeks ago, where Black Panther, Wakanda, and The uh, Woman King, and Till we're all nominated. Now, given, given the films that are here, I can cluck three or four of those off right away and, and get those films in these categories. None of them would win for me, but they would be on the list. So it's strange to me that those films aren't even on the list when uh, Triangle of Sadness and Turn and and all of that. I can, I can click any of those off and put some of those other films on this list. All right, Women
11: Talking. Justin. Oh, I think Tar is by light years the best film in this category. I think it's the opposite of pretentious. I I assume pretentious, which... Is I, it, it's it's a pet peeve when people just I'm not I'm not going off on you Andy because you're far you're far from oh, alone. Go off but it's, me. Like, go you know, on, it's like if we assume pretentious to, pretension to be synonymous with ignorance, a movie that aspires to something it knows nothing about. Tar knows its world in a way that no other movie on this no, list. It thing, I think it knows. Yes, no, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, and you're no, not the only person who knows the thing about classical music on this panel, Charles. I, I actually think it totally knows its world. <laughs> the world building in this movie is extraordinary. I mean, even better than Avatar The Way of Water. Um, in terms of just constructing a world that I wanted to live in. I found this movie mesmerizing. And uh, even the few scenes where Cape Blanchard is not entirely on screen, I I wanted to live in this movie. I don't find it repellent. I I find it a mix of repellent and completely compelling. I think it's magnificent.
2: Do you
3: really think a major orchestra schedules a major... (laughs) Let's go
2: to the vote of Best Picture, All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, The Way of Water. The Banshees of Inesheron, Elvis, The Fablemans, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking, Tar, everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for the 21st Annual Film Week Academy Awards Preview. Charles Solomon, Peter Rayner, Claudia Pui, Amy Nicholson, Wade Major, Leo Lowenstein, Christy Lemire, Andy Klein, Tim Cogshell, and Justin Chang. Thank you so much from all of us at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. We look forward to you joining us next year at this time for the 22nd version of the event.